Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Williamson County Memorial Day service. We apologize that we aren't able to perform our usual service. This isn't possible because of the things that have been going on in the country. Today's program is a mix of video footage from previous programs and current remarks from our government officials and our special guest speaker. Having said that, on this day, even though we're unable to be together, it's important that we take time to honor these veterans, our friends, our family, our loved ones, and some that we don't even know. Joseph Campbell wrote, a hero is someone who has given his or her life to something bigger than oneself. As we remember these heroes today, let their spirits fill us with determination to go out and do good things on every other day of the year in their honor. On behalf of everyone here, we hope you enjoy the program. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we've gathered together today on this auspicious occasion in honor of the memory of those fallen heroes who gave all in the fight for our freedom. We honor their courage, bravery, sacrifice in the name of good citizenship, patriotism, love of God, and love of country. May we now exercise good stewardship, fiduciary responsibility over the freedom to make it mean something and to ensure that no blood was shed in vain. As we live our lives with purpose, unselfishly, pursuit of love, justice, peace, harmony, and advance in the welfare of all humanity. Give us grace in the years to come to stand firmly in loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, personal courage, always placing the mission first, never accepting defeat, never quitting, never leaving a fallen comrade. Be our shield and buckler and present help in trouble. We pray for your comfort over grieving hearts that ache in pain as they remember their soldier, sailor, airman, guardian, or marine. Give them sustaining consolation and hope of brighter days. Bless our present service members as they stand in the vanguard protecting our way of life. Bless their families and perfect the things that concern them. We yield our gratitude to you, dear God, to those who gave some, but especially to those who gave all. In your holy name we pray. Amen.
I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with, with liberty, liberty and, and justice, justice for all. gathered virtually today in the front of our computers or our devices to honor those men and women that paid the ultimate sacrifice for us to have our freedoms. Memorial Day is a favorite of mine and I know that many of our veterans would showed up no matter what for an event that we usually have downtown at Five Points. But this is a different time and it's not safe so we've elected to do a virtual uh, ceremony. John F. Kennedy said, let every nation know whether it wishes us well or ill that we will pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Well, we're here today in a time that President Kennedy never imagined. We're battling an enemy that we can neither see nor feel and really don't understand, an enemy that has powers to create fear, disability, and even death. And it's ravaged our economy. As to a human toll, we've already seen too many deaths in the United States, in Tennessee, and in Williamson County. And as we battle this pandemic, it may be worth looking at a similar situation and comparing how our veterans felt during war and conflicts. Certainly fear and anxiety were a prominent component. Fear of the unknown and anxiety of what will happen. Leaving family behind. They certainly left their families behind and today we see that uh, people are elderly people and people that are immunosuppressed are somewhat isolated. Then the lack of knowledge of the enemy and what type of power they possess. Today we are faced with the same issue, a new virus we are learning about daily and its myriad of effects and presentations. Can you imagine our veterans in a strange country with different languages 
But there is a common theme that I'd really like to emphasize, and that is the American response. I will do what it takes to protect our liberty, and has been there for generations. And certainly our fallen soldiers, both men and women, had fear and anxiety, but they overcame it with the desire to serve, the desire to protect our liberty, and the desire to protect our democracy. We set this day apart to honor all those now gone who made the cause of America their supreme choice. James Garfield, a congressman, a veteran, and later president, spoke at the first Decoration Day, now known as Memorial Day. And he said, I'm oppressed with a sense of the impropriety of uttering words on this occasion. If silence is ever golden, it must be here besides the graves of 15,000 men whose lives were more significant than speech and whose death was a poem the music of which can never be sung. I have that very sense every Memorial Day and the sense that the attendees also have that reverence of silence for those that paid the sacrifice. Memorial Day is a day of reflection and remembrance of those that died while serving in the U.S. military. There are many ways that we celebrate, sometimes by laying of wreaths, visiting cemeteries, parades, traditions of flying the flag, wearing poppies, and the 24-note bugle call. And I ask, how will you celebrate? Well, here's my suggestion to you, that you say a prayer for the families that have lost loved ones in service, that you decorate a serviceman's grave with a flag, and whatever you choose, I suggest that when you see a veteran or an active duty military person that you tell them thank you. These are rare individuals. They're less than 1% of our population who wear the uniform. And let us never forget that we celebrate today because of their sacrifice. May God bless all the families who have lost loved ones in service to our country, and may God bless America. In 1882, this nation observed the first Memorial Day, a day set aside to remember and honor the sacrifices of those who died in all of our nation's wars. For decades, Memorial Day has been a day in our nation when communities gather together and celebrate and have fellowship. Though we cannot gather in person today, we can still honor our fallen comrades and the ideas and the values that they stood for and died for defending. It reminds me of an old saying, the best way out is through. In this time of uncertainty, we can pay tribute to them by honoring their courage, their sacrifice, and their excellence. These seemingly ordinary men and women became great because they included in their core values of loyalty and honor and duty and respect, integrity, selfless service, and personal courage. 
That's what inspires us. Memorial Day is a time to think of the young lives cut short, the wives and the husbands turned into widows and widowers, children growing up without a father or a mother, or parents bearing their children. Above all, it's a time to show our overwhelming gratitude for the brave soldiers who put their country before them. I salute my brothers and sisters in arms who have served valiantly. As a veteran, my heart especially goes out to the families of those who did not return home. John 15:13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, to lay down his life for his friends. The men and women we honor today died to protect the things that we hold most dear, and we owe them a great debt of gratitude for their sacrifice. We join today on this Memorial Day, unusual as it may be, not to mourn, but to rejoice, honor, and praise these fallen soldiers. God bless them, and may God bless you and your families in this difficult time. Today we have Bob Ravener, United States Naval officer, addressing us. During this unusual time, I called upon an individual that I have known for many years. He has served in the private sector as the HR director for Dollar General. He was a Navy officer. He, was a, he is a past graduate of the Naval Academy. He lives in our community, just a few blocks from where we would normally have this service this morning. So, I give to you my friend, your friend and fellow officer, Bob Rabner. Thank you for allowing me to be with you here today. We Americans and the rest of the world have certainly faced a crisis like none any of us have ever had to experience before. I, like you, have marveled at the heroic efforts of the medical community first responders, frontline workers, National Guard, 
and all the others that have risked so much to take care of those who need assistance across many fronts. While we still have a long way to go, I am personally so proud of those on the front lines of this pandemic while I mourn those who have lost their lives during the crisis. Please join me in a moment of silence to honor those lost in this fight. As America emerges from this latest ordeal, I want to focus today on those who made the ultimate sacrifice in defense of this nation over more than 240 years of our history, as well as all veterans that have rendered their last salute to the country they all love so dearly. Over more than two centuries, our citizens have served with honor. In fact, about 60 million have answered the call to protect the freedoms we hold so dear. They have done so for a variety of reasons, but most have worn the uniform simply because our country and at times the world needed them in times of great trial and strife. As a veteran myself, I recognize firsthand the level of commitment required to wear the uniform and hold a special place in my heart for all of you and those that have passed on before us. To put it in raw perspective, more than one million men and women have died wearing the uniform of our military in order to preserve our way of life. Like many of you, the military helped me get started in life, as it does for so many other Americans. While all that has been immensely rewarding for me, today I am here to pay tribute the best way I know how, reminding everyone just what service and sacrifice has been for our members of the armed forces throughout the existence of our nation, including many of you watching here today, and why we should always remember those who served in uniform that have since left this earth. Originally known as Decoration Day, this special occasion originated three years following the Civil War and became an official federal holiday in 1971 by an act of Congress. The American Civil War claimed more lives than any conflict in U.S. history, requiring the establishment of the country's first national cemeteries. By the late 1860s, Americans in various towns and cities had begun holding springtime tributes to those countless fallen soldiers decorating their graves with flowers and reciting prayers. It is unclear where exactly this tradition originated, and there are many stories to its actual beginnings. Memorial Day was officially proclaimed on May 5, 1868, by General John Logan, National Commander of the Grand Army of the Republic, and was first observed on 30 May, 1868, when flowers were placed on the graves of Union and Confederate soldiers at Arlington National Cemetery. On that first Decoration Day, future President James Garfield made a speech at Arlington, and 5,000 participants decorated the graves of the 20,000 Union and Confederate soldiers buried there. Many veterans are buried at Arlington, where since the Civil War, more than 300,000 honored souls have found their eternal peace on that hallowed ground. I believe that virtually every American family has been touched by those who have served and sacrificed defending this country and my family is no different. My grandfather, grandmother, and father all have their final resting places in national cemeteries on U.S. soil. But there are other family members who made the supreme sacrifice on foreign lands, and they serve now as constant reminders to those they have helped liberate. Frank Putz, cousin to my maternal grandmother, at 20 years old, joined the New York National Guard just one month after my grandfather joined the same unit in 1916 and both soon embarked on the Mexican punitive expedition. 
While I have not found proof, I do believe my grandmother and grandfather were introduced through this military connection. Frank then followed the New York 27th Division as part of the K Company of the 105th Infantry Regiment over to Europe in May of 1918, where his unit first saw action that summer in Belgium during the Iperli Offensive. Then in an effort to finally break the Hindenburg Line, which the Germans had defended since 1916 along the French and German borderlands, Allied forces made up of British, Canadian, Australian, and American units launched the Somme Offensive, sometimes called the Second Battle of the Somme. It was during this push at a place near the Flanders area of Belgium and France that Frank led his squad out of the trenches on the morning of 29 September and was immediately felled by an enemy round. According to a news report, quote, Corporal Poots had been over the top six times. His regiment advanced a thousand yards the day he gave up his life. He was just 22 at the time of his death and awarded a citation for gallantry in action and posthumously received the Silver Star. He represents but one of the more than 320,000 American casualties of that war, including over 50,000 killed in action, most of them within a six-week period from 26 September to 20 October 1918. He was also one of the many who were temporarily buried on the battlefield, then moved to an American cemetery in France before finally coming home to his final resting place on U.S. soil in 1921. Sadly, his mother did not survive to personally say goodbye to her eldest son as she died in 1920 at the age of 46. It was on the day he was killed in action, however, that the Allies finally broke through the Hindenburg Line, advanced many miles over the coming weeks, which ultimately led to the armistice being signed roughly six weeks later, effectively ending the Great War. Such a heavy price to pay for all those involved. But could that heavy toll on the world stop future conflicts? Tragically, it did not. As Germany rebuilt in the 1930s, elected a World War I veteran as chancellor, and Adolf Hitler brought Europe to its knees and on the brink of complete domination until once again, the Americans were pulled into a war on foreign soil within one generation. Neil Lenti was a 23-year-old American B-24 navigator flying a mission over Europe in 1943 when he was shot down after a bombing run over the shipyards of Germany on October 8, and then laid to rest at the American cemetery in the Netherlands, along with 8,300 of his fellow American GIs, punctuated by the names of more than 1,700 that were never found. His name and the name of the others are proudly displayed in the logbook you pictured here on the screen. Lieutenant Lenti's story doesn't end there, however, as although he would never get to see his unborn son, his heroic legacy lived on as Neil's namesake grew up, joined the Air Force, and spent a career defending our freedom just like his father he had never met. Neil Jr. also rests in eternal peace. And while the world always seems to be in conflict and the United States called upon constantly to liberate others, the sacrifices for American families continues to this day. Corporal Nick Uzensky was a young idealistic American boy of 19 when he joined the Marines to help fight the global war on terror. A member of the elite special forces known as the 3rd Marine Recon Battalion, he was in Afghanistan for just two months when on 11 January 2010, his position in the insurgent-infested Helmand province was overrun, and he along with two of his fellow Marines were killed in action, fighting bravely in the face of overwhelming numbers. 
This part of the heritage for my wife and me is but one family's supreme sacrifices for the cause of freedom, among so many others who have experienced the same anguish and strife. American and allied blood spilled in the soil of the earth to ensure the seeds of liberty continue to grow and flourish. Frank Smith was just a teenager working as a telegraph lineman in Brooklyn, New York, when he first answered the call in the spring of 1916. He was looking for adventure, but in those days also three square meals, a steady paycheck, and a chance to serve. Little did he know that a couple of months later, in July of 1916, then Private Smith would be riding a rail car and following General Blackjack Pershing across the country with the army down to the Mexican border to protect U.S. citizens from a marauding bandit known as Pancho Villa. I'm sure he didn't know the difference between France and Belgium when he was federalized with the American Expeditionary Forces in 1917 as part of more than 600,000 courageous youth sent to save the European continent in the First World War. He went on to fight in Europe again in World War II and stayed in the reserves through the Korean conflict. As so many of our citizen soldiers do, Frank Smith completed his tours of duty with no questions and no doubts while remaining in uniform for 43 years and ultimately rising to the rank of colonel in the Army Reserves. And when the USA sent virtually all the men in uniform to fight overseas in 1918, our US ranks were depleted, so the Secretary of the Navy authorized women to enter the Marine Corps for the first time in our history. Mary Riley, a barely five foot tall young patriot of just 22, in a time when women in this country still could not vote, was one of the first women to enter the Corps and heed Uncle Sam's call, just one month after being authorized by the government to enlist, and became one of only 300 to do so in that era. Both Frank Smith and Mary Riley fulfilled their duties, and each had sons of their own. One followed his father into the Army to liberate Europe, and the other donned a sailor's uniform and went to sea in the Pacific to fight the Empire of Japan. The scale of this conflict required more than 16 million military service members over the course of the war, which was more than twice the number who had served in all the previous American conflicts combined, and also claimed more than twice as many American lives. Another one of those 16 million was an immigrant son, George Lucan, my father-in-law, who served bravely as a first sergeant in the 15th Army Air Forces in North Africa and Italy. Many more extended members of my family have served across two different centuries, dating back to the Civil War, as you can see on this slide. So that has been the history of my family, but it could also as well be in the story of millions of other families in this country with the same patriotic calling and for the same simple reason, to serve. Our country needed us. I know many of those listening have their own family stories, and I would encourage you to learn about them and their circumstances around their sacrifice, and then remember them always, as their sacrifice should never have been in vain. Even for those who served, fortunate enough to survive combat, many of them lost family members and friends, which creates its own set of challenges. They also paid a price worth remembering and honoring for their selfless sacrifice. Then there are all veterans who have passed from this earth and now rest peacefully in some cemetery near home or far away on foreign soil. While the day is officially for those lost in service, I like to think of Memorial Day as a way to remember all our brothers and sisters in arms that have passed. While some estimates suggest almost 60 million Americans have served in uniform since the American Revolution, with some 18 to 20 million still around, that means around 40 million have since been laid to rest. 
Once again, of those, I doubt there is anyone who hasn't had an American service member within the family, as well as those you have known throughout your lives. For my family and those I encountered over the years, the numbers are in the dozens who have also passed into eternity. Our citizens have been called to defend our nation many times, and more than a million have made the ultimate sacrifice. Tennessee has its own long legacy of military service. Vice Admiral Bill Lawrence was the superintendent of the Naval Academy when I was a student there and among the finest people I had ever known. Born in Nashville, Admiral Lawrence graduated from the Naval Academy in 1951 and served his country with great distinction until 1986. A test pilot and finalist for the original astronaut program, Admiral Lawrence flew combat missions during the Vietnam War and was shot down, spending almost six years in captivity with John McCain in a North Vietnamese prison camp commonly referred to by the American POWs as the Hanoi Hilton. Although they never openly discussed it, these Americans were treated very harshly, often spending years in solitary confinement. I came to meet and get to know Admiral Lawrence just five years after he was released from Vietnam. It was while he was held captive that he created in his mind what is now the official Tennessee State poem that you see here on the screen. I say created, as there was no way to write anything down, so he committed it to memory and wrote it upon his release from POW camp. He died in 2005 and rests on the banks of the Seven River at his beloved Naval Academy, not far from his fellow former POW, John McCain. There have been many others from the state of Tennessee that have served in the armed forces of the United States. Some names you may recognize. Davy Crockett was a frontiersman, statesman, and militiaman, serving his state and country with distinction until his untimely yet heroic death at the Alamo in 1836. General Sam Houston served as both a congressman and governor of the state while also fighting with Andrew Jackson during the War of 1812. He is most noted for leading the Texas Army in the defeat of Santa Ana at San Jacinto shortly after the fall of the Alamo and leading the way for Texas to break away from Mexican control. He became the president of the Republic of Texas and later senator and governor from when Texas was admitted to the Union as a state. David Farragut joined the Navy at the ripe old age of nine years old and served with distinction for more than 54 years, ultimately becoming the U.S. Navy's first full admiral. He may best be known for opening up the Mississippi River during the Battle of Mobile Bay in 1862 by running past the defending guns on the shores of the Mississippi after uttering his famous words, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. Corporal Solomon Frister joined the United States Color Troops in 1864 at the age of 26. Part of Company G of the 25th Infantry Regiment, he was one of an estimated 200,000 African Americans that served in uniform during that conflict. Originally from Pennsylvania, he settled in Tennessee after the Civil War, became a pastor in Nashville, and had 10 children. He is buried in Nashville's Mount Ararat Cemetery. Sergeant Alvin York was an unlikely hero during World War I. Just doing his job with the rest of his squad, his life would change forever on 8 October 1918. With 16 others, then Corporal York and, and his men were ordered to secure a railway when they became lost in France behind enemy lines. Quickly and ferociously, under a hail of bullets, the men took heavy casualties and lost nine of the 17, including all of York's senior officers. He then led the remaining seven men behind enemy lines and used his marksmanship skills to single-handedly take out three German machine gun nests and several other German soldiers. 
At that point, the entire company of 132 remaining German soldiers surrendered to York. He was subsequently promoted to sergeant and received the Medal of Honor for his actions. Finally, there was General Andrew Jackson, seventh president of the United States who first tasted military service as a 13-year-old in the War for Independence and was subsequently captured by the British in 1781. During the Revolution, he lost all members of his immediate family and was orphaned at 14. He returned to service as the head of the Tennessee Militia in 1801 and earned fame in the War of 1812, Creek War, and the First Seminole War, with notable victories at the Battle of New Orleans and Horseshoe Bend in Alabama. He later became territorial governor of Florida and then a senator from Tennessee before his election as president in 1828. Today, there are more than 15,000 Tennessee citizens serving in the Army and National Guard, and since 2001, more than 10,000 Tennessee citizens have deployed in the global war on terror, while more than 20 have lost their lives during that time. As we sit here today to honor and celebrate the millions who have served and sacrificed for the freedoms we hold so dear and sometimes take for granted, never forget how special the United States of America is and that freedom has never been free. Today, the United States has many thousands of troops spread throughout the four corners of the globe with one purpose in mind, to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign or domestic. You have heard it said that all gave some, yet some gave all. There may be no more symbolic way to remember those that served than by recalling one of the earliest known post-World War I hymns written by H.G. Meyer in 1920, memorializing our dead service members. Entitled, Let Them Sleep, it was written to music, but I will not attempt to sing it here. Instead, let me read its poetic lyrics as the screen scrolls through some of the most iconic American military photographs ever published. Let them sleep, our valiant dead, while we bow the reverent head. Sound of bugle never comes to their ears, nor beat of drums. Let them sleep neath native sod or where hostile armies trod. Under lilies, some entombed, some where crimson poppies bloomed. Let them sleep, O far away, on this blessed Memorial Day. Strife and anger soon shall cease, war at last shall yield to peace. Let them sleep and by their sod, lift, O lift, thy heart to God that his peace may soon be sent to all nations battle rent. That's God's peace may soon be sent. Let them sleep, let them sleep. Yes, many paid the ultimate price of freedom. Please join me in a moment of silence to remember all those who have given their lives in the defense of our nation. And on behalf of the millions of men and women that have served, sacrificed, and yes, died for you and me, always remember those American heroes. Thank you for listening. The pavers in Veterans Park in downtown Franklin are a way to honor Williamson County veterans from the Revolutionary War to present day who have passed away. These pavers are another way to remember our veterans. A Scottish poet named Thomas Campbell wrote, 
To live in the hearts that we leave behind is not to die. And now, Mayor Moore and Mayor Anderson will read the names of the pavers installed this year. James Robert Andrews. Jonathan R. Burton. John Lee Carney. Harold Eugene Givens. John Leonard Grigsby. James F. Hamlet. Clifford P. Hannum. Francis Paul Jones. Terry Eugene Lancaster. Julie E. Ledbetter. Earl J. Manley. Michael A. Rice. John Carlisle Schmidt. James Thomas Smithson. Robert Harry Thompson. During World War I, families hung a flag with a blue star on it to signify that they had a family member serving in the war. If that family member was killed in combat, a gold star was stitched over the top of the blue star to show that loss. These are referred to as gold star mothers. Today, families that have lost family members while serving in time of war are referred to as Gold Star families. Today, as we honor the fallen, it is important that we take a moment to recognize the sacrifices and the very real effects of these losses on those Gold Star families. Please join me in a moment of silence. Thank you.
Let's pray. And now unto him who is able to keep us from falling. Resend us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Amen.
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today for our program honoring the sacrifices of our fallen veterans. We hope you've enjoyed it and we hope you have a great day. This concludes our program.